Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast. Oh, it's episode 253 and oh, it's a boxing movie because why not? Why not? We are talking fighting movies, boxing movies over on Morgan Hasn't Seen all March long in honour of the uh, release of Creed 3, which was last Friday. But we thought, you know, last Friday we couldn't do a boxing movie. We were still doing our our uh, 70s black movies last week. Yeah, yes. Car wash. Um, so we thought we would do one this week as well. I don't think we'll be taking the entire month over with, with old boxing movies on this show. Maybe just this one. Um, but it's quite nice to see a little bit of a different style of this kind of movie. Certainly what I think is a very influential boxing movie in terms of the the, the style, the content, the kind of filmmaking structure that more modern boxing movies have. Um, I think a lot, thanks to movies like this that we are talking today, um, and I've never seen a, a, an older boxing movie, you know, the, the oldest yeah, boxing. Yeah, with that old-timey boxing style as well. Yeah, let's let's think about this, actually. The movie we're talking about today, by the way, is 1947's Body and Soul, um, directed by Robert Rosson, who, who didn't direct many things. He was a writer-director, um, but did direct The Hustler. And did you know that? So that's another kind of unscrupulous sports type movie. Yes. Um, that's obviously like 1961, so 14 years after this movie. Um, a couple of other things as well. I'll have to do a little bit of a, a relook into what else Robert Rossen directed, but he's a good director, he's a good writer. I've come across him before, but he's about the only one from this movie that I've actually come across before, and you may be a little bit surprised that this is my first John Garfield movie, because John Garfield's a reasonably big name. Um, I've never seen The Postman Always Rings twice, so... Oh, yes, no, me neither. Like, none of these people, like, usually if I don't know maybe a good chunk of the cast, there's at least one kind of background regular actor who I recognize. Um, yeah. An Edward Everett Horton type that's always kind of like a, a side. It's not always you know. the same person, you mean. <laughs> yes, Edward G. Robinson type. <laughs> you know, face that just <laughs> is I mean, always... Edward G. Edward <laughs> G. Know? Robinson has a distinctly recognizable face i think it's yes. a slight to edward g robinson to call no. him a background regular well, I, I don't mean you know what i mean but like i do a supporting cast character that you see kind of pop up in random things um you know a martin ball sometimes yeah, yes um, okay so, yeah you know mo- the majority of classic films we cover there's at least someone in that vein someone in the supporting character vein that i might recognize if i don't recognize like the main actors but here i didn't really know anybody well no i mean john garfield is the one that you probably know you may have you'll have heard the name i'm pretty sure 
And you'll have certainly heard of The Postman Always Rings Twice because that's a reasonably famous noir title. Yeah. Um, but I've never seen that. And, and, you know, obviously I've never seen this movie. I was trying to think of before the oldest boxing movie that I have seen. And weirdly, apart from this movie now, it might be Rocky, which oh. is a strange thing to say, <laughs> I think, because I can't think of a, a, a one from earlier that isn't now this movie that I have seen, which is strange, yeah. really, because this this does have a very different uh, style of fighting in it, in, in, in the boxing scenes, in the fighting scenes that we have in this movie. But from a story perspective, like I said in the kind of opening, I think it's really very clear as to why more modern boxing movies are structured the way they are when older ones were structured in virtually the same kind of way. Yeah. You know, when you have movies like this that are very... I mean, I think it's, I think it's really interesting, actually, because the movie kind of opens at its own end. Yeah, I mean, um, it's always an kind interesting of thing to at do. the climax, kind of of the story. Yeah, yeah, the and, finale and kind of climax. Yeah, flashes back to tell us the story of basically yeah. how we got there. Yes, exactly. Um, and everybody's everybody's very cold towards John Garfield. John Garfield is our lead uh, character in this movie. Uh, Charlie Davis, he's our bruising boxer who is a bit of a bruiser he is a bit of a brawler but then again so is every boxer we come across in this movie because there's virtually no technique to anybody's <laughs> boxing styles yeah it's very all. much just like old-timey punch 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 it's what i've been saying on morgan hasn't seen actually it, I, you know when i when i've complained about professional beating each other up as opposed to boxing which is professional beating each yeah. other up is what i refer to as the ufc um it, it feels more like that than actual boxing sometimes or it feels more like wrestling sometimes yeah. than actual boxing because people are just kind of railing on each other flailing their arms around rather than the kind of jab jab hook combos we used to see in yeah. You know, for example, in Creed 3 that we've all just watched. You know, that's yes. very technically fought. Yes, and style and yes. Not exactly. <laughs> not punchy, just punchy, rail punchy. On each other. Not rock'em, sock'em. <laughs> rock'em, sock'em is a great way of putting it. Rock'em, exactly sock'em, robot style fighting. Rock'em, sock'em, robot style. It is. But as... As an opening of this movie, I think it's really interesting to, to open at our climax. We hear about the death of this character called Ben. We don't know who Ben is. Yeah. Um. So, you know, John Garfield's kind of, he's broken up a little bit. He goes back to his mother's house. Um. His mother is very, very cold towards him. We see right from you know, the start of this movie. I don't think his mother ever wanted him to be a fighter. No, and that is clarified not. throughout the entire movie. Yes, she definitely times. wanted more for him. She wanted him to get educated and be a professional and 
um she kind of attributes that to like where they grew up that he grew up in this part of the city where you know all he could do is be an animal you know in this jungle yeah, of a city that they're stuck Lower in inside new york isn't it yes so um she wants more for him she wants him to not fight for money she wants him to fight for a cause to you know go get educated and get a, a career um which feels very kind of uh akin to parents today wanting things like that for their children um you know uh i kind of face things like that as you know an aspiring artist when you know i was kind of in that phase of not really knowing what i wanted to do but wanting to create art and and you know yeah. the parents having that talk of no like <laughs> go to college and, and make a career and all of these things and you know all of that so definitely felt very relatable in terms of kind of parents wants for their children's future definitely hasn't changed much in 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 years past so no but i would like i would like to think it's never got quite as cold as the opening of this movie gets i think it's a very very emotionally cold movie in its entirety really yeah um you know in terms of the characters towards each other yeah but i mean i think it's there's very little genuine kind of warmth towards each other i think in this movie even in even in a romantic sense because we do get romance in this movie we get you know john garfield's i suppose long-term love interest who's uh peg who we also meet in the opening actually but even she's very kind of a little bit cold towards him she doesn't want anything to do with him we recognize her as a as a love interest as a wife um but we wonder why she's you know, so we wonder what he's done set at his presence and so yeah. broken down by his presence when he shows up there because she's presumably like living with his mother or staying with his mother yeah um but we've no idea at this point what he's done we just kind of met with this really kind of emotionally dark opening uh, i think it's a lovely actually first shot of the movie as well and i know we don't kind of tend to speak about ridiculously specific details like the opening shot of a movie a great deal on this show but i really do think it is it's just that empty boxing ring that's outside where we obviously recognize later on that is where the final fight takes place yeah um but it, it's really very isolating it's really very kind of bleak yes and, and for me <laughs> When movies do kind of start in in middle or at the end, it's always kind of this one had me like, did I like fast forward? Did I like started in the middle? Yeah, it took me a minute to realize that okay, we're gonna be flashing back to how we got to this point. Um, but yeah, just kind of that opening um, really had me thinking, where where's the story starting? Like, it had me feeling like I missed something. But it's a but that mean that means it's an interesting way I think of structuring it because to be fair that's not something you tend to see a lot of in a more modern boxing movie we 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 speak to how this movie and movies like it may have influenced more modern boxing movies in terms of its structure but I maybe I may be talking about that in terms of its story structure as in the yes, rise up the people that don't want him to get involved in it the 
shady people he has to deal with the fighting for himself you know in opposition to all these draw setbacks shady people you know the the true to self story which i think is very common in boxing movies actually it's very because it's such an individualistic sport anyway you know it's all based around you i think really you focus a movie on any kind of individual sport as opposed to a team sport in any sports movie sense you will find those story points in there those yeah real hard i've got to fight for myself look at all these obstacles in front of me kind of stories very individualistic and you you, you absolutely get that here because oh yeah he's got he everything seems... coming left right and center at him but he's also mm. very purposefully oblivious to what is really happening because he's riding this high and he has people people he trusts telling him you know you're becoming too materialistic you're losing yourself you only care about this and that and the other you know you're not taking care of your mother you're not marrying this woman you say you're going to marry because you're more focused yeah. on this way that you can make more money um and you being, and at some point you're more focused on this other girl who comes in yes play, you're more in involved in kind of the flashy aspects of things um your mother is more focused on your education and you being a good person and all you can think about is getting more money yeah she she would rather you not make money she'd rather you be poor and not make money the way you are making money but you you don't even want to read that that or understand kind of her thought process behind that because you're just very wholly focused so yeah i think in in a story where you're dealing with uh individualistic sport like boxing there is uh an ego dilemma that happens and that's definitely yeah. kind of the core of what's happening with this character of and you know for god's sake we get that in in modern boxing movies too look at this week's morgan hasn't seen we talked about southpaw that is a movie where obviously jake gyllenhaal hits kind of rock bottom and has to figure out his way back up but it's very I think it's a very egocentric movie and by that i mean it's focused on his own mentality yes he's very much kind of focused on his own grief and not remembering i have a daughter to take care of i have a career that i need to maintain i have you know things still happening in my life beyond this grief but all i can care about is how i feel in this moment yeah. about the grief that i'm dealing with so yeah i think definitely ego plays a big part and and it's definitely a huge driving point in this story yeah and it, it takes uh you know a couple of serious kind of harsh things to happen in the movie for john garfield to kind of fully come to terms with his own mentality i think in in terms of like okay I recognize what's going on and what's going on basically is he's being played around. He's being manipulated by a very, very shady boxing manager. Very, yes. you know, it, it, it has, I mean, the movie, to be fair to it, while being, I think a really 
well-structured kind of melodrama, sports melodrama. It's got noirish elements to it as well. I think that's undeniable. It's got criminal elements to it. It's got kind of seedy romance elements to it. There's a couple of kind of noir staples. I think our our boxing manager, uh, who is, is his name Roberts? Roberts, Roberts. yeah. So he's kind of the guy who is in charge. Yes, he's in charge of arranging, like no match gets arranged or set up without his say-so. Um, so if you get into business with him, he'll set up a match, but there's a point where he may rig it and ask you to, you know, take the fall, take the fall and lose to, to win a big bet. Um, he, and he'll tell you otherwise, he'll tell you something else just to kind of appease you, but really he has his kind of own motives. He'll tell you it'll be a fair fight and he has something up his sleeve so he very much sets himself up as a sleazy kind of character that you can't trust but charlie is so focused on getting this money and and you know the greatness of being this great fighter that he is not even seeing what's right in front of him um there is some corruption that happens with kind of his first big fight that gets him kind of on the radar yeah where he fights a boxer um, and this other boxer, Ben, he had suffered some serious trauma in a fight. Like he was hit and he hit like a pole. And so now he has a blood clot in his brain. And yeah. Ben's manager goes to Roberts and says, hey, can we give him a fight? And Roberts like, yeah, we'll give him a fight. We'll just give him something light, easy, just a few taps, just for a good show and just for like an easy payday. So There's Ben's no like, reason this man should be fighting Anybody, at all by the way but they tell him because of his medical condition we'll give him a light easy fight where you know the other guy will be aware of his you know condition and take it easy on him and it'll just be a good fight to make some money um for ben so they agree to this fight turns out that they have him this is robert setting him up to fight charlie but they don't tell charlie about ben's issue no and you know, one of Robert's guys says, well, you know, if we don't tell Charlie, he's just going to go full force on Ben. And Robert's is like, oh, it's fine. You know, just let him do it. It's going to be a good show. People die every day. It's not a big deal. So he literally, yes, he literally said, yes, everybody dies from Robert's is, is, is constant. It eventually comes back to bite him. But oh yes. It is a constant presence in the entire movie. This really horribly kind of inhuman kind idea of that he has of just yeah. everything's just about money. And I'm sure I said this on Morgan hasn't seen already too. I hate boxing promoters. <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> and and characters like this are why because it's it's all about the money. It's all about this supposed quote unquote show that they're putting on. Yeah, as opposed to the individual's well-being, and this is what we we we're very very strongly dealing with with Roberts in this movie. I think he's great. He's played by um, he's played by Lloyd Goff. He's yeah. I think he's really good. Yeah, in this he's really very good. very dark role. Yes, but very amoralistic role. Very. Horrible, horrible, but also very kind of convincing when he needs to be. Um. And, and and good Dangerous. at telling people kind of what they need to hear in the moment. 
so dangerous man as well yes you know he has influence so charlie does do this fight and then in the end he you know he goes full force on ben and ben obviously is not doing well almost dies from the fight charlie's confused like feels very bad and remorseful for what has happened um but they kind of try to shoo him away and not really let on what really went down in in the arrangement of this fight um but uh charlie's friend actually finds out what really happens in the whole setup with the fight and he goes to charlie and he tries to tell him like you can't trust robert he's playing you he set you up Ben had this blood clot. He knew about the blood clot. He just wanted a good show. He didn't care what happened to Ben. He didn't care how this was going to affect you. But Robert is getting him fights that are going to get him money. It's going to get him a title shot. So he completely, while he does feel bad about Ben, he completely ignores this red flag of working with Robert because he is just looking at the gains he can get. And don't we see this story point so often? The distrust of the long-time best friend for the new flashy man giving us all the money Yes, in these type of movies. And the flashy money man is doing what he needs to do to get rid of the trustworthy friend so that he can get his yes, into his, you know, golden goose, as it were. So I feel... um, I feel golden goose. I'm sorry. It just always reminds me of uh, one particular <laughs> little spoiled girl singing about golden geese. I want it now. Exactly. Oh, oh. <laughs> you can't. You can't not go any any time anybody yeah. mentions anything to do with that or golden eggs or <laughs> some sort of nonsense to do with yes. geese and eggs. Uh, no, I I feel bean feasts i feel i feel a lot of sympathy for for shorty in this movie i think he's 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 a very pure character he's only trying to do the best thing he's only trying to look out for charlie's best interests and because charlie's getting all this money in now you know we're kind of shouting at the screen saying as we often do in these movies, Charlie, listen to the guy that's obviously trustworthy. Yes. And the guy that's obviously untrustworthy. And Shorty is like, he's getting paid to be there. Like, he was already he his is, friend. Yeah. But Charlie is paying him to just kind of be there with him and be his friend. But that's still not deterring him from being that friend and being an honest person to him. Like, he's not blinded by the money he's telling charlie like you're forgetting about your mother like when was the last time you sent her any money like telling his telling peg just marry him now because you're gonna lose him otherwise he is getting so deep into this ego of these fights and becoming the best and making all this money and working with this awful person that you're gonna lose him so if you don't marry him now he's gonna be lost to you forever like i see this path he's going down and it's not good um so the fact that he you know still manages to try to be that voice of of keeping an eye on charlie and charlie's just too blinded by all the flashy things to even it's just so frustrating (laughs) it is very very frustrating and to be honest i think john garfield does a really good job as the lead of this movie in reading up a little bit about him because like i said unfortunately this is 
I say unfortunately, this is my first John Garfield movie, but we all have to be introduced to people somewhere. Somehow, yeah. Don't we? And this is what this show, you know, is so great at doing for us and we yeah. hope for everybody else as well, is introducing all these people, all these types of movies to 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 everybody. Um, in reading up about John Garfield, he he was actually born on the Lower East Side of New York and did actually kind of do boxing as a as a youth. So he was kind of in this, not in this world exactly, but very, very close to the world that we're dealing with in this movie. Okay. Because I even think the movie's set in the 30s, even though it's made in 1947 or released in 1947. It's set in the 30s, yeah. and it's very... I think there's a lot of potentially real-life John Garfield in this movie, which I think is very interesting that he comes in and kind of plays a little bit what seems to be perhaps a heightened version of his youthful self. Yeah. Which I think when you kind of look at it and... and realize that and find that out i think it's even more impressive that he's able to you know give the performance he gives and i think it's it's more understandable reason as to why that performance is so good because i really do think he's wonderful in this movie um he did also die at the age of 39 oh my John gosh so we are. in the early 50s um but if if we wanted to look at more of his movies, I mean, the Oscar-winning Gentleman's Agreement, he's in that with Gregory Peck. Oh. Um, Postman Orris Rings twice, of course. There's a couple of others. Uh, the Breaking Point, things like that, if we wanted to uh, look at a bit more John Garfield. But I really do think he's got this bulldog quality about him. He almost reminded me of... Early thirties, Jimmy Cagney. Yeah, in this that's getting that vibe a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because he's just kind of a bit, a bit of a, a bit of a hothead. Yeah, he's a, a he's a he's a bulldog. Yeah, <laughs> he's a bulldog. He's not dangerously hot-headed, but he's got the ability to to snap a little bit. But you still kind of like him. You still you still feel a lot of sympathy from him or for him. He's got. A very sympathetic face, but he's he's not the tallest man. He's you know quite stockily built, kind of flat faced, yeah, and looks a bit like a bruising boxer, which is kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's doesn't it? perfect. He's he's really good. He's really good in this movie. I um, I really I really liked. I really liked his central performance. I think the movie doesn't work if he's if his central performance isn't as strong as it is. And knowing the authenticity, knowing the real life authenticity behind this performance, now, yeah, um, I mean, he has a lot better. to. Yeah, he has a lot to do. He has to come around to um, really seeing what's happening um, at the end, because you know he's been puffing up this idea of being okay with like you can tell that he's like purposefully not trying to hear the truth of what's happening to him yeah he, he bec bec and it's because he's grown up 
poor. He's grown up very, very poor, very, very, you know, strapped for money. He and he's take and look again. This is a story point we do see often in in these kind of movies. It's somebody coming from, you know, a very hard background, a very hard upbringing. All of a sudden, they have all this talent, all this kind of, you know, dedication, whether it's fighting, whether it's anything. They get thrown all this money, and they don't know what to do with it, and they kind of just fly off the rails a bit. Yeah. And it is what we see in this movie. It's not. It's not as though you know, Charlie goes out and, you know, beats everybody up and, and goes to prison and all this kind of stuff that you no. sometimes do see in these kind of movies. He but just it's a very becomes too focused wrapped on, up on the materialistic the aspect. Yes. And he has to play it in a way where you, you know, he could have played it very easily one note that like, yay, I'm excited about this money. Nothing else matters. But there is a layer there of defensiveness that you can yeah. tell he knows he knows what he's doing is not the right path but he the the pull of the money and the success is, is stronger so he is just purposefully tuning that out yeah. and there's a way to play that and he definitely is able to tap into that where you can feel that underlying kind of defensiveness of him pushing away yeah, the truth for he the, doesn't for want the to beautiful lie um yeah so yeah he, he could have to resort that. to what he was before yes so he could definitely just play it like you know money 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 and like you know but you definitely get a tone from him that he is he is really purposefully toning out tuning out the yeah. the, the people in his ear trying to help him this is not a, a, a movie from the 2000s where somebody would be making it rain with a load of dollars. <laughs> yes, with a dollar bill. Money, 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 money. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and had a gun and was in a nightclub yeah, and had a load of supposedly pretty women around them. Yes. Even though, to be fair to John Garfield, he seems to have a, a yeah. number of pretty women around him. We do get a spiraling montage um after things do kind of he hits like a dark spot where peg realizes like you need to stop fighting like i can't be with you if you continue down this path because look how much you've lost this man you're working with it can't be trusted like i will not be with you um she's really great as well by yes armor playing peg and he just says fine well then i'm gonna go off so we get this whole montage of him doing fights and making money and with all different beautiful women and buying them fancy things and so yes he definitely is you know strip club club level <laughs> like with all the ladies like, yeah as far as you know older movies go it's it's old hollywood movies go you can't exactly yeah. You know, at this time, if this was a pre-code movie, you might have gone to some sort of serious <laughs> ladies club. Yes, but no, we see him taking all these different women out to dinner, kissing them, and yes. and this and that through this montage. But um, yes, no, um, the actress who played Peg, I thought she was really great. Um, you know, she also seems very kind of excited about the success of what he's doing and what he's gaining. And she's really happy for him and excited because I think she's very sure that she will be brought along on the ride. He's agreed to marry yeah. her. Um, you know, she's kind of even also ignoring 
um, Shorty's kind of warnings. And, you know, she, she seems receptive to what he's saying at first, but then in just kind of getting wrapped up in the lifestyle that Charlie's trying to, to attain, she kind of just brushes off Shorty as well. So, um, it's it's kind of he's Charlie's not the only one who's kind of ignoring these these bad kind of signals. Um, it's her as well until it gets to a certain point. Then she can kind of take the blinders off and see what's going on while Charlie is still kind yeah. of ignoring what is happening in this situation. So and yeah, so she that is point, that relationship kind of breaks down. Yes, a little bit. so we do see her definitely have a shift. Um, of really kind of being along for the ride, being really excited to be a part of this with Charlie. And then, you know, she starts gradually seeing the effect as well and and, and has to kind of separate herself. Yeah, it's a really it's a really interesting kind of romance element to the movie, you know, that that relationship element that the movie you know, movies like this always have. Yeah. But it's 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 an interesting one that it's kind of all about promise and no follow through almost, you know, right up until the very, very end of the movie. It's yeah. kind of all about just, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get married. Yeah. You're my, yeah. You know, we're, we're together. Um, yeah. I'm not going to listen to you now though, because money, 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 money <laughs> <laughs> and fighty, fighty, fighty. Yeah. Like, no, Charlie, please listen to me. It's like, no, I'm going to do this instead. Breakdown, yeah. upsetting, horrible. But it works. It works as a story. It it works really well as a story. It's played really well. It's the movie itself is quite a, it's quite a sad affair, really, isn't it? For the most yeah. part, it's a re, it's, it's kind of, uh, you're, you're glad for the glimmer of, light you get at the very end yes but you're just waiting for him to realize this path that he's on for the whole kind of movie yeah. and you're getting frustrated that he's not seeing what everyone else is seeing it's why i think it's a really good title for the movie actually body and soul because he's in it body and soul he, he you know he can't he's not in it brain wise he can't think about it it's all about heart yeah kind of the opposite to rocky you know where rocky is all about heart but in the let's fight for good things way and <laughs> charlie's all about the heart in a i'm just following my heart and my heart says success not yes and reason. money yeah. you know he, he doesn't think reasonably uh, and uh, rocky never comes to that really does he rocky never comes to any sort of not that I can remember. He never kind of gets way too money focused and endangers his own family, does he? I don't think he ever does that. Rocky oh, Five. No. Rocky Five. He doesn't even. Rocky Five's weird. I mean, there's that point where he does kind of get, you know, in in Rocky Two, where he he actually, you know, has been making some money, so he's like buying all of these things. There is, and, yes, yes, and then you know, then he can't sustain it. And you know, so he but, gets a little bit into the ego of, of of that, and then you know can't really take care of his family like he 
is able to because he kind of overextended himself with his but the end of... of Rocky 2 just makes me cry because it's so wholesome. <laughs> I mean every Rocky is pretty wholesome by the end, but Rocky 2 especially is wholesome though. Yes. I was having this discussion this week of what the best Rocky movie was. I know a lot of people were saying Rocky 4 and I just think Rocky falls sometimes the easy answer because it's it's probably the most fun. It's the most kind of outrageous. Yes, and the montage is very intense and, and the montage on fire is and all of that. Yeah. Even though Hearts on Fire isn't actually my favorite song from that movie. I'll really? What is it? Not my favorite what? song. My favorite song from Rocky Four is No Easy Way Out. Mm. Which where is, he's just driving. Where he's just <laughs> and, driving after and Apollo dies. Yeah. And he's and it's all kind of sad. <laughs> But it's like it's the most upbeat, sad song you'll ever hear. I like I'm not. I like Hearts on Fire. That's I like Hearts on Fire. I obviously like living in America. Yeah, but that <laughs> comes right before sadness. Yes. Um yes. this isn't. You know, we're not talking about Rocky Four. <laughs> I like Rocky Two. Um, yes, though I don't know even what we were talking about in terms of body and soul. Now, to be honest with you, um. Just, I think we were relating it to um, a character being able to um, have his ego, have him kind of realizing that the ego that he's portraying is causing him to lose things. Yeah, yeah. Well, as we as we kind of get further on in in the movie, um, Ben comes back into play. Our our nice boxer who. Charlie almost died. killed yeah. unknowingly unknowingly he turns into a trainer you had a nice interesting <laughs> analogy about ben that i thought was was somewhat make sense but you know um yeah so ben he does hire to be his trainer um and ben was just very much like 40s forest whitaker 40s forest whitaker Yes. Um, I mean, we just watched South. This poor man's lazy eye. I'm just. I mean, we just watched Southpaw, so that had a we lot did. to do with it. But I mean, the eye thing is also maybe had something to do with the comparison. But yes, just hating on the poor man's. But also, lazy eye. It was nice to see a black character that wasn't like you know that was a character that wasn't like you know what uh, that is a very fair a, a, point, a servant or a butler or a side character or like a ranch hand or something <laughs> he was like he, an, a, think... an established boxer and then he ends up becoming this trainer he has his own kind of really tragic plot point um he does i think ultimately and unfortunately he is kind of there to I mean, we to... learn we learn that Ben dies at the very beginning of the movie, the very start yeah. of the movie. We hear that Ben has died. We don't know who he is yet. Um, but when we meet him, we kind of realize, okay, this is the Ben that dies. Yes, but he's um, not like seen as any kind of lower status to anybody else in the film. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Which was really interesting to see in a 40s movie. As far as the story goes... I think he is kind of there. Um, 
maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe I'm being unfair because his death does set be, uh, set Charlie, set John Garfield on the kind of yes. I mean, of, obviously, I'm he's just there. Doing it for, I'm just doing it for me now because yes. you know, screw you all. You all, you know, you mess my, you mess me up, Mister Roberts. You, you know, I, I, I will make you think that you know i'm going to take your all your money on this big final fight that we have this kind of championship style fight um i'm going to take this big 60,000 dollar uh, bribe to to throw the match um after 15 rounds i mean for god's sake that's a long boxing match 15 yeah. rounds of boxing and if we're going off this final fight as well and how this final fight's presented for about 13 rounds, nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> and all the all the all the crowd, the audience are just getting really aggressive because nothing's happened in yes, like because so long of boxing. Charlie's been told kind of in this final match, because that's what that's where we start the movie is him, yeah. you know, discovering that, you know, Ben has died. He's wakes up in the middle of the night freaking out about Ben. He goes to his mother's house and he has this cold reception from her and from, you know, his presumed ex, Peg. Peg. And, you know, then he kind of goes out to a club and um, people are kind of talking about, you know, you're, this doesn't look good for your upcoming fight to be out in the middle of the night and all of this. So it, then we see him actually at the fight, like laying down to kind of take a rest before the fight starts. And that's when we get into this flashback yeah so now we're here back in the room where he was laying down resting before this fight and the whole arrangement of the fight was robert obviously telling him you know it's obvious he wants him to throw the fight bet this money so that he can win um so that he can get this money yeah like sixty thousand dollars which is an um, awful lot of money. In, in but of course, yeah. The, in the thirties, when this is movie set, it's a ridiculous sum of money. Yes. Um. So, uh, but Robert spins it to him that, oh no, you're not throwing the fight. It's just got to last fifteen rounds and then to a decision. So yes. nobody's knocking anyone out. Just you just got to stay in it for fifteen rounds and then for the decision. And obviously, they won't pick you. And then you know. If you bet on on the other guy, you'll yeah. you know make us really rich. So Robert spins it this way, but obviously Charlie's wise enough to know that they're definitely wanting him to throw this fight. So we get into the fight, and yeah, it's basically just round after round of Charlie not really being able to keep up. He's getting tired. He's kind of just hugging on the other boxer. The other boxer's just going to town on him. Um and he's trying to just hold it and, and do what he needs to do because he did reveal this to Peg and his mother that this was the plan. He has since reconciled with them and... Uh, to an extent, To yes. an extent, yes. His, his um, mother to an extent. Peg, I think, is more welcoming to the reconciliation. I think his mother is... Still a little bit. His mother's still very disappointed in, in where yes. he's ended up in life. But she was happy because she that he was kind of billing this is his last fight. He just does this one last yes, fight and true. he'll be out. So she was happy about that. So then, you know, he's trying to explain to them the situation with the fight. 
and they're not really getting it until he spells it out and says literally no i'm throwing the fight so that we can win this money and then i'll be done and they just kind of really look at him like just very shameful like how just how could you do this like where is your integrity like yeah you know if you were going to box you wanted to be the best and now you're just gonna let this guy let you lose just for the money again this is all always what it's been about for you and now to the point where you're going to strip your integrity away for the money and so they're very much kind of looking at him with these very judgmental kind of eyes and he gets very defensive oh he does yes he does yes but it plays on him it plays on him throughout that day it plays on him throughout that fight you're mixing that with last night's you know very traumatic death of ben yeah by the way which we haven't talked about because I, I said I, I said before maybe I was being a bit unfair to Ben by saying, well, that his you presence die is only really because... there to drive things for our leading white character. Yes, which, which I, I I don't think he's I don't think he's untrue. I don't I think mean, he's untrue. Yes. It's very it, much it must... in service of kind of you know it, it feels a little bit like magical Negro and horror. A little bit, <laughs> you yes, know, a little bit. Their death or their sacrifice is meant to drive things forward for our leading white hero. You know, but I, I do agree with you. I think I think it must be said that it, uh, Canada Lee, who plays Ben, is given a genuine character role yes. that is not just meaningless it's not no and he's not on any kind of lower lower societal status or you know respect status than you know yeah he's part of he's he's part of charlie's training team for this final fight yes and even before that he was he was a respected boxer in his own right he wasn't a black boxer who only boxed in black leagues or whatever you know he was just a boxer yeah um so I, th- I think that is that is a fair point. I think that does kind of have to be said. Um, and, and credit there, credit to Mr. Canard Lee, which is a great name, by the way. Yeah. Um, or as we're going to refer to him, Canard Lee, 40s, Forrest Whitaker. Yes. <laughs> um, um, yeah, there's, yes. Also, there's, there's another guy, actually, I did want to bring up in this movie. Was his name Quinn? Mr. Quinn? The guy with the moustache. Oh, that runs the club. Like Roberts. Yeah, like Roberts. He, he seems to be very friendly with Mr. Roberts. Yeah, so he kind of... Uh, Shorty helps, like, in, in the early stages of Charlie's career, Shorty helps Charlie kind of get his attention to kind of be his manager or to kind of help him arrange fights and be, like, his agent. Um and so he ends up being Charlie's agent and then eventually hooks Charlie up with Robert. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did I did want to bring him up because, no, I'm not putting him in the Mustache Hall of Fame. I think it's an ugly mustache. <laughs> Do you mean? I think he doesn't look very good with this mustache. Uh, William Conrad, who plays Quinn. And also um, this fakey powdered gray hair that they try to give him yeah like, they do actually like this <laughs> this this man is in his 30s you know the, yeah. the, not his late 50s yeah um no i think it's a horrible mustache actually i do not put just any mustache in the mustache hall of fame you, you know you have to have a nice you. mustache i appreciate you you know 
sticking with your integrity. So, thank you. Yes, you have to have a nice <laughs> mustache. He, he he didn't have a nice mustache, and he's. I'm unsure what to think of him because he's a little bit shady as well. He's clearly just a bit of a lackey, for yes, Mr. Because, Roberts. But he's because Robert like, gives him a piece of the pie, so of course he's yeah. going to kind of look out for his own interests. But he acts as the main trainer, the main man in the corner for Charlie in the fight, doesn't he? And Charlie, yes. Kind of, at the end of the fight, Charlie's kind of slapping him away and telling him to shut yes, up. Yes, because Charlie at this point, like, he's realizing, you know, why am I throwing this fight? Like, why am I listening to this band? He's finally kind of seeing what everyone had been trying to tell him the whole time. And he, so he is like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to win this fight. I don't care yeah. what I said, what I agreed to do. I'm not going to go down, you know, with this fakey ass fight. So he ends up, you know, every time he gets back in the corner, yeah, obviously Quinn is like telling him, okay, just next just time you go down, just lay there. And then, yeah, like Charlie just like punching him in the face. And he just, like, he just, he just get out of yeah. my face. Yeah. Get yeah. Go away. Um, no, I, I, what do you make, what do you make of the, I mean, the final fight scene? There's other boxing matches in the movie, there's a couple of others. But this final one's really, it, it takes it's a little bit of time. On. It's full on. What do you make of how it's how it's filmed? How it's, how it's I mean, together? I think we got some interesting angles. I think once the fight actually became a fight and it wasn't just Charlie kind of slumping and hugging all on the other guy out of just, you know, his, his need to just get through the rounds. Um, when he finally kind of kicks into gear to be like, I'm not going to throw this fight. And it's kind of back and forth. We get some really kind of cool low angles. We get some yeah. kind of quick, fast punch shots. Um, there's, there's a bit of POV, yeah, as well, which is which is quite nice. I mean, to be fair, the the movie is shot by James Wong Howe, who's always very good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, as our as our lead cinematographer, um, and I think he does he does film these final fight or this final fight really quite interestingly i read something that apparently he had somebody pushing him around on roller skates in the ring to make the shooting feel more fluid oh okay which is quite interesting i suppose i don't know how necessarily they managed to put a big you know 40s movie camera and <laughs> have it wheel around quickly on on roller, roller skate. skates but it, but it works yeah. yeah it works um and I think it's a, I think it's a, a an impressively dynamic fight. Yes. Actually, it's not stagey. It's obviously not going to be quite as, <laughs> I suppose, as elaborate as something we would see it? today. Yeah, correct. But it, you feel the, you feel the, I feel, I feel like you feel the bruising nature of it. You yes. feel the punches in it. It does a good job of really emphasizing the hard hits, yeah. I think, and and putting you not just as a spectator watching the fight, but actually a lot of the time putting you in that ring, in yeah. that fight itself. Um, and you do you do feel some of the punches. So it's it's you know yeah, I think it's well shot. like we like say. We haven't seen a boxing movie anywhere close to being this old 
before this is yeah so i was i was really curious to see how the fighting style looked how the shots were going to be and like even earlier in the film we only get kind of quick montages of fights you don't actually get to see a full-on fight so yeah when we were getting into this i was really excited to kind of see how it was going to be shot the angles the style of their boxing like how much how different it looks to movies we see today if they took if movies of today took any elements from something like this um so yeah, I was really curious to see that, and I think they did some really interesting things in terms of angles and and uh, really kind of capturing, like you said, the the feel of these hits, the physicality um, of it. I yeah, think is really yeah. well is really well captured. Even though I mean, it's obviously a very like we said, untechnical fight. It is a brawl. It is a just rail on each other. <laughs> yeah. There's there's very little technique but this is perhaps how people genuinely boxed in the 40s i don't know i wasn't there you know <laughs> we, we we don't know yeah maybe the boxing technique just developed throughout the 60s and 70s and then became what it is now where it's just kind of mostly flashy people dancing about with each other yeah but we're like no i i have respect for boxing i do um, I'm not discrediting boxing at all, um, but yeah, no, it is. It, it is the it's the technique, it's the fighting style that is noticeably different, rather than the actual filming of the boxing scene, which is is interesting. Actually, I think a lot of credit, you know, goes to you know, has to go to this movie really to to James Wan, how to Robert Ross, and uh, everybody involved to 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 actually create such a dynamic final fight with obviously way more limited tech you know movement technology of cameras and things like that um fast-paced stuff you don't see too much very very fast-paced stuff you know in uh chases sure running chases sure but they're they tend to be quite easy to shoot in in you know in old hollywood you just kind of pan a bit and dolly a bit and all this kind of stuff but to have a real dynamic here there and everywhere boxing match is 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 really impressively shot so yes applause for the how the final fight was uh was done actually but like you said yes charlie now is just very much i'm doing it for me screw you all i'm not listening to you and i'm gonna go and win this fight and what does he do Bash, 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 down. And then he, he has him down like two or three times, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and then he ends up just completely going. Or, or does, no, actually, the other guy, the other guy has Charlie down two or three times. Yeah. Um, And he gets back up and, and it's kind of, that's and a little Peg bit is rocky. There. And Peg that's is a there watching rocky, as well. Yeah. You know, let's f- fall down. Oh, we're getting back up. I, I, I think right I literally said to myself, <laughs> I literally said to myself watching this movie, Balboa just won't stay down. <laughs> because that's what it felt like. Yeah. It's what it felt like. It felt like Rocky Four, where Drago was just pummeling him down and you constantly on the floor and then he just gets back up looking like an absolute mess. But he's just like, 
well, he, he, he might as well have turned into Captain America. I could do this all day situation. <laughs> yeah, he might, might as well have done that. Yeah. Puts, puts the other guy down. Um, yes, you know, that he's the winner. He's still the champion and all that business. And then has his little final confrontation with Mr. Roberts, who's yeah. not very happy. No. You know, I could kill you. What do you what do you think you're doing? Don't you know who I am? And he gives it all this kind of stuff. And Charlie basically just throws it all back in his face, what he's been saying for the entire movie, which is, what are you going to do? Kill me? Everybody dies. <laughs> As though to say, I don't care anymore. Yeah. I've took control of my own person again. Yes. You had control of me for all this time, for most of this movie. I didn't have control of my own self, and now I do. So I'm going to go with Peg. Peg's there as well, because that's yeah. all very nice and romantic. And I'm going to walk off down this street with the nice street light showing the end and the music swelling, all very nice. And we've shut up Mr. Roberts. Now, we don't Yay. know yeah. if Mr. Roberts is then just going to assassinate <laughs> both yes. later. We don't know. Right. No, we just walk off together. Happen. Happy ending. Um, yeah. But that doesn't happen because the movie ends before any, any nastiness before we, yes. can happen. And there's not a body and soul to the return of the body. So <laughs> we, we don't know. We don't know. Um, I really do actually like the way that ends, that it's just kind of thrown right back in Robert's face. Yeah. In fact, I always like, and like recurring a good quotes. Line. Yeah. Recurring quotes to be thrown and twisted back. and yes. put yeah. in the other direction. I always really do like that. I had, I mean, it's it's it would be wrong to say I had a lot of fun with Body and Soul. I think it's a very good movie. I think it's a very dark movie, a very kind of bleak melodrama um but it's a very impressive movie a very very impressive movie i think as far as you know you don't get too many old hollywood sports movies do you yeah and i think it's a very very strong contender shall we say Ooh, yeah. because that's a boxing term it's not on the waterfront you know we're not we're not i could have been a contender and brando whinging to his brother in the back of that car um i mean there's other boxing movies you know there's other old hollywood boxing movies champion with kirk douglas comes to mind mm -hmm. that we that we could watch if you if you wanted to but whether we want whether we will be swamped by boxing and fighting throughout march yes Remains um, we we so may we'll just we'll we may just go for something different uh, entirely, but I really enjoyed this movie, Janine, yes, and I hope you I, did. I did too. Um, was really curious to see a sports movie from this era, boxing movie from this era, as I don't think we've covered very many, you know, uh, sports no, movies. Yes, so yeah so definitely was curious to check out a film of that genre in kind of the classic vein uh and yeah really enjoyed it i liked the story um the characters the performances um and and building to this kind of final 
F you, basically. Uh, So yeah, really enjoyed it and a great discovery of some actors I hadn't heard of. So so really great kind of seeing these great performances from some new old actors. (laughs) New old things is what we love on It's a Wonderful Podcast. We love discovering new old movies. That is what we do best here on this show. Of course it is. Of course it is. You've just... Uh, had you know put an idea into my mind by the way um it's obviously it's baseball season starting very soon oh why not do an old baseball movie okay there's one that comes to mind but that's that will be a quite quite a (laughs) sad affair because that's um Pride of the Yankees with Gary Cooper playing Lou Gehrig. So it's all oh, about like yeah. you know, that tough situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe we'll find a more p- potentially pleasant baseball movie. <laughs> and also, obviously, I'm a you know New York Mets fan, so uh, it would be, yeah. un- it would be un- unwise of me to talk a movie about yeah, the Yankees, those. even though it's Gary Cooper. Yeah, no, it's Gary Cooper. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an idea. Okay. That is an idea. Okay. Um, but yes, there we go. I think Janine for this episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast, episode two hundred and fifty-three. We have been talking Body and Soul from nineteen forty-seven, directed by and written by actually, I think Robert Rosson, uh, with John Garfield, Lily Palmer, uh, Hazel Brooks who we didn't mention by name but she plays Alice the kind of other sultry woman yes who, who very much plays to the materialistic side of where Charlie's kind of headspace is going who's, who's good herself very good herself but yeah. is very kind of one dimensional as a character yes as you as you might expect um but yes very good movie we enjoyed the movie janine it is not the only show we have on the it's a wonderful podcast feed is it no of course every monday you can check out monday madness uh it's our youtube show but you can also listen to it on the it's a wonderful podcast podcast feed it's our fun kickback show we talk all kinds of fun pop culture topics get into a interesting discussion and then play a game so it's a really fun show so you can check that out of course every monday on the it's a wonderful podcast youtube channel that also has a lot of fun things so subscribe over there and listen to the show on the podcast feed every monday of course and there's morgan hasn't seen every wednesday morgan mentioned that we are talking boxing fighting movies over there in honor of creed 3 so check out our series talking those types of movies all month long on morgan hasn't seen every wednesday yes there we go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Amazon Music, everywhere else. As Janine said, subscribe, ding the notification bell over on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel for all the fun stuff we have there. And if you would like to support us on Patreon or donate in any such way, we can't do what we do without the wonderful support of our wonderful It's a Wonderful Podcast patrons. Um, There are links in the description of this episode if you would like to join us there. Patreon.com 
slash it's a wonderful one or you can find us on uh, twitter of course the show and it's a wonderful one you can find me on twitter at the purple don with a three instead of the e in the because janine three is the magic number on instagram and tiktok where morgan has finally started to post old movies yes on instagram and tiktok at the purple don janine all your brawling fighting stuff is well. You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, you can find that at our Teespring shop. Just check the description for the link or search It's a Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art and print from, you can find that at my big cartel shop, com. There we go. There is only one thing left to do. There's no fun impression whatsoever. No. I mean, you <laughs> did mention Edward G. Robinson. Before. Oh my gosh. No. He's got absolutely nothing to do with this movie. I couldn't but even recall you, what he sounds like. <laughs> as you, he sounds like Chief Wiggum. As you slighted Edward G. Robinson by calling him a <laughs> recognizable to. background I actor. Mean to. I think <laughs> he does sound like Chief Wiggum. That's where Chief Wiggum's voice comes from. Comes oh, from okay. G. <laughs> yeah. Chief Wiggum and or Edward G. Robinson, please. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to like go and do them through my That's nose. good. That's <laughs> good. Two. <laughs> One. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That was your best impression. Wow. Well, thank you.